Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Yeah, sure. So the Stamets and uh, the Stamets and uh, Fulber relationship has been pretty uh, tumultuous. Rocky. I want to say, yeah, like it hasn't been like an easy road. Um, but I do like the fact now, like we didn't see. I feel like we didn't see enough of Fulber uh, once he came back. Um, I liked the scenes that they brought when they when they brought him back. Um, I think they're standing on. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, but this one last like, okay, I'm coming back and we're all we're going together. Let's go, man. Like that's, it was it was a little gratuitous and not necessary. But I did need to. It was important to know that he's coming. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, what it what is she standing on? What were they standing on? Well, it almost looked like the discovery. Well, she's being pulled in through the wormhole, or the black hole, or the hole in space time. Yeah. When this hole begins opening up. And the whole special effects journey begins. I was ready for it. Like I was like, let's do it, man. Like well, especially since in the movie Interstellar, they established, yeah, they kind of established what science thinks a black hole actually would look like if you point a camera at it. They did a two-dimensional black hole there, though. They didn't do a three-dimensional black hole there. They did not. I'm convinced, and was convinced while watching this in, uh, you know, 4K HD that they took like a chainsaw or something and like shot some sparks at her as part of this whole thing. And that's what we're actually seeing reflected in her in her helmet. Uh, I am so sure that there were actual sparks flying at her. Like it looks so incredible and it looks really, really yeah. good. Um, yeah. It also looks really terrifying. Yeah, okay. There's, a, there's an expression that she makes that reminds me of like what what movie is it? Is it like two thousand one A Space Odyssey? They, that's the one with Hal, right? Or or it might be uh what's the Yeah, two thousand one A Space Odyssey. Uh is that the okay, same movie? So, no. What is what movie? Two thousand one A Space Odyssey is the one with Hal. Yes. Hal is briefly in twenty ten. And then um the one you just mentioned with the tones is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It is indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, which movie am I thinking of that has the special effects that have like the going somewhere far? Dave Bowman and Hal get brought pulled into the monolith at the end of two, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. So that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, I do want to point out, I don't know if you have it on your screen over there as you're, as you're watching, as we discuss, um, but there is a time at the end of this episode that marks the length of the episode, and that is one hour, four minutes, and 50 seconds. I feel very confident in saying that this is the longest episode of Star Trek that has ever existed. Okay. It is over an hour long. Um, probably the usual, usual material still puts it at over, like, you know, it puts it very close to an hour, but there is a recap in there, oh, and you there's mean, credits in there. Yep, there's credits on both ends, and there's a recap. Even still, well, never have re I ever... Is recap particularly long, too, or...? You know, I'm not really sure. 
Uh, I'm gonna let me let me let me sneak up over here and I'm gonna check the runtime of this episode because uh, it's my firm belief that what my firm okay. belief is is firmly believable, uh, and I really do think this is the longest episode. The in in firmness, I think that I think that the uh, the special effects add like another half hour to, to the whole episode. Okay. Uh, that is uh, me being facetious, but it really is like a lot of special effects that go on for, mm-hmm. it's for a long time. Now, granted, like some of those special effects are this uh, fight scene that's interspersed in the middle of the special effects, but it also includes special effects, right? Uh huh. People getting sucked straight up out of like, why is there a hatch in the ceiling? Is what I'd like to know. Mm-hmm. And why okay. do two people? Just happen to be standing perfectly underneath it to get sucked out of that hatch. I'm sorry, blown out. Mean, I, I was going to say, you mean blown? Because I was going to uh, totally pull pull a data and Ricker. Yeah, data definitely huh? corrected me in my head as soon as I said that. Well, in here they're doing the inception walk thing. Oh, is that what that is like when they take? So this is a. So I remember watching the Ready Room uh, about this episode. The you know the little after show with Will Wheaton, and I do remember that they and the like rocks Michelle, are going with them too. Yeah, of course. So Michelle Yeoh mentioned she had a good time doing this, and the way they did this is they actually put the whole room on a uh, rotating Gimble. thing. So they yeah, yeah, so they rotated the entire room, and took the shots as the room was rotating. There's there's rocks. It seems Where really really com- seems really uh seems really uh, complicated to do. Spinning the entire room. Although the rocks certainly give the uh, the uh, actors a, a visual cue as to the uh, gravity of the situation and where the gravity is in the room. Uh, I see what you're doing there. I, I, I do think that there is a joke in there. I don't think we've quite gotten there, but we'll get there. I, I bet we'll get there at some point. When uh, Burnham starts flipping through the different uh, time points and like starts jumping to them, yeah, I really enjoyed like the really quick. You know, season review because we went yeah. <laughs> we went all the way back to see Jet Reno and we went all the way back to see Pike and then we went we go okay. all the way back to Kaminar. So we kind of do like a review of the season to remind you, like, okay, so this is where the bursts were, and this is why she has to go to this place to create the burst. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I also <laughs> I greatly was impressed by the scene where. You know, she does the whole. She, she, you know, when she goes to Kaminar, and she does the whole mm-hmm. thing when she like boop, 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 and then stops right outside of Saru, looks at Saru, and then does her little burst, and then backs up. Okay. They are not, by the way, refueling this suit between jumps. So whatever tremendous uh, power it takes to create that red burst, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a red burst that can be seen all the way across the galaxy. Yeah. And like uh, at a, at a, in a moment. Um, well, they're they're certainly not s- using a Mister Fusion. Yeah, she she has to have seven <laughs> times the amount of power it takes to do one tremendous red burst. So that suit is like all of Starfleet in a suit. <laughs> well, they kind of already established that that they're able that that suit in itself is able to hold all of the data from the sphere, and that. You know, obviously that they have a, a tremendous compression rate in uh, whatever millennium the uh, suit comes from, or originally came from. Well, the suit came from this this century because they just built it, wasn't it? Built by Burnham, well, yeah, and you, Gabriel Burnham, and Mike yeah, Burnham. Yeah, but they 
yeah, I suppose with the technology to do this came from uh, uh, the future. Oh, so you think? Well, no, future... you're right. It didn't. It did come from. They came from the past. Yeah. It yeah. came from Michael's past. They exactly. were building it... that today. Well, not today, today, but. Sure. Yeah. It's in in the, uh, the discovery today. You were talking about the uh, trippy special effects and and the uh, special effects at the end of uh, 2001. Yeah, so um, there are some similarities. There um, are, but then have have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? I've seen Interstellar, and it's my I haven't now I haven't seen Interstellar in a while. But if I'm not mistaken, I think that that very first effect where they're like where it opens up space like a like burning a piece of plastic. I think that's the same sort of the same thing that I remember seeing in Interstellar. Well, I mean, I just know that the ending of that movie is just as trippy and just as fourth dimensional, mind expanding kind of thinking at the end of that movie, too. Yeah. Uh, so that movie was very, I, I was, I was, I don't know. I was really, I really liked that movie a lot and I really liked it for very different reasons. Okay. Um, and well, spo spoilers for Interstellar, that, that movie ends up where he encounters like extra dimensional, like 11th, 11 dimension beings or whatever, you know? You know, does like he, all, for some reason, all I remember is him being stuck behind the library. Well, he was, it was the, it was the extra dimensional aliens showing him the best perspective that they could give him in his limited three-dimensional mind and three dim limited three-dimensional thinking I and existence. See. They obviously are a little bit like the prophets, and they exist sort of outside of time. I don't remember how many dimensions they ever said in the movie, but we've discovered through the, the exploration of quantum physics and like string theory and stuff that there are upwards of 11 dimensions yeah i'm uh, sure that there's even beyond that but eight, eight of them that we can't perceive you know seven if you count time but yes time is definitely one of those like i i think i can perceive four dimensions <laughs> does that well, make me a fourth dimensional being we, we experience time but we can't perceive time uh what do you mean by that well, we can't see. We can't. We can only see one instance in time. We can't see all of time at once. Oh, okay. And I can't see all of depth at once either. Maybe. I like I can't see all of width at one. Like, I can't see all of any dimension at one time. If I could see all of that dimension, then. I can see all of the depth of my bookcase right now. Sure. But I can't see all of the its existence through the rest of eternity. No, but you could see all of the time that you exist in. Not at one time, because that would be antithetical to the rules of what time is. Just like if I'm standing on the on the bow of a ship, I can't necessarily see the stern. Okay. Well, but do I um, exist still in nineteen? 85? Yes, you do. You still exist in 1985. You're just not there anymore. I I can't perceive 1985. But you did at one point. I 
did, but I can no longer. So I can only exist. In you also one can't world. can't you also can't go back to the exact spot where you were in 1985 on this day at this time. <laughs> okay. Who's the bad guy that they're fighting? Are we just going to call him Control or? Yeah, I we think gonna... we're going to stick with Control. Okay, so Control was doing his own impression of uh, Imhotep from the uh, uh, the Mummy movies, where he's regenerating and reforming back to life. He had the hole in his cheek going yeah, on. Yeah, so that's the, the that's the that's the Terminator liquid uh, liquid metal regeneration that he does there. Sure, that 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 too a little bit. Uh, yeah, so that's the second or third bingo uh, place of the day, I believe. Uh, <laughs> so if you have yep. uh, Brendan Fraser and the Mummy on your card, don't forget to mark off the obligatory one up in the corner. I've forgotten what it is now, but it's pretty Probably much always Battlestar there. Galactica. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, always in the corner. Always want to pick <laughs> that card. You also want to do the uh, Terminator Two. You were the one who mentioned the uh, Liquid Terminator. It's not the obligatory one that's always on every card, but... Sure enough. I'm sure at some point uh, Linda Hamilton will come into the conversation, and that will be far more of an important of a mention for, uh, you know, the Terminator and Beauty and the Beast and <laughs> various assorted franchises with which she may be involved. What, was she in the Terminator Chronicle? So I don't think that she was the second Sarah Connor, because the second Sarah Connor was a younger Sarah Connor. Yeah, Sarah Connor was, but I don't think Linda Connor. So oh. they couldn't use the same the same person. Okay. Did you know, by the way, that Linda Hamilton had a twin sister? I knew that. Did you? I was, was going to ask you this. That her yes. twin sister died uh, in uh, uh, August of last year at the age of, guess what? 63? They were 63? When Linda she... Hamilton is 63 years old? Are you shocked? <laughs> because I am shocked. Well, she's now 64 because uh, their birthday yeah. was in uh, September. So I guess she died like a month yeah. before her birthday. And she's an identical twin sister. Is that mind-blowing? Yeah. Well, that's how they did... that. That's how they did the duplicate uh, Linda Ham Hamilton scenes in Terminator 2. Wait, it's by using up. her twin. What are you talking yeah. about? That is a it's like her, one of her only appearances in a movie is her twin. What? So she's as Terminator Linda, 2 as, as the Day. evil Terminator. What? Yeah. That's crazy time. I've never heard that before. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. And in fact, the fat guard also has a twin. And that's how they did the duplicate guard when the evil Terminator. The liquid terminator impersonates him too. His twin has been on screen too. If you've ever seen the movie Good Morning Vietnam, they're both on screen together as the governmental censors or the military censors for the news. the The overweight guard, the overweight prison guard, okay, that is getting the coffee in Terminator Two, and the sure. Terminator rises up out of the floor and imitates him, and he, he looks him in the you know, they look at each other and they're on screen for about 10 to 30 seconds together. Oh, okay. Um, when they're showing both of them, they're twins. They're literal, oh, you know, it's a duplicate. So, super duper interesting. Uh, there were two sets of, there were a pair of twins in Terminator 2. It's pretty dope. I've come across now on my brief search of the internet an image of uh, Linda Hamilton at her current age. Okay. And she looks amazing. Okay. She looks amazing. 
Yeah, okay. Looks I imagine. Amazing. But especially for someone who's 63 years old. Like, I know some 50-year-olds who don't look as, as, <laughs> as good as she does today. Here we are. So, Michael Burnham is has uh, has jumped off of her uh, whatever crash ship this is that's in the middle of space and she says uh-huh. burn to discovery let's go and so here we are flying yeah. toward, uh, toward what? we're following the red angel so I do have to tell you there's a whole excellent thing that does happen between Spock and Michael Burnham Michael Burnham basically tells Spock to go find somebody who's just like Jim Kirk and uh-huh. like go be his best friend. Okay. So he, he seems to later be following that advice, but she also says to him, there's a whole galaxy out there full of people who will reach for you. You have to let them. So uh-huh. what happened to that part? So yeah, so I do like the part where we set up why Spock is going out and finding Kirk. So then that makes you wonder, did Spock recommend Kirk or somehow uh, influence the assignment of Kirk to uh, the 1701? Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. I think he first okay. reached, I think he probably first reached for Pike and became close friends with okay. Pike and then was just lucky yeah. enough that, well, that that when Pike moved on, they got a Kirk after him. Okay. Well, I mean, he must have reached out to him enough that he felt comfortable smiling in front of him when they were touching the singing flowers. Sure, like much later. I you know, I and now my head tells me <laughs> now my head tells me that the reason Spock smiled is because he was reminded of wait, no, this was before oh never mind. First I was thinking I was thinking that I was yeah. gonna say it, it was reminding him of Burnham, but no, that's that was before this. So so never mind, I take it all back. More rocks. Rocks yeah, everywhere. You gotta keep rocks all over this bridge. You know, this bridge is like, okay, so so there is one effect that I immediately recognized and immediately gave props to, and that is the, like, whole scene-stretching effect uh, while they're going through the wormhole, and it's sort of like everything just sort of streams behind into the streams well, in, like, one direction. That's reminiscent of uh, the motion picture. It is indeed, and I think they did it on purpose, and then, well, I thought they did it on purpose, and then I firmly believed that it was on purpose later when it was mentioned, I think, in the ready room that this was okay. on purpose. Huh. Um, after they disappear into the wormhole, we see the Enterprise, you know, sort of fly by, and the saucer section has been chewed up a little bit. So my head cannon told me at that point that the Enterprise then got sort of like fixed up and like refitted a little bit. So they didn't rename it the A, but they just kept it the same registry and just made it look like uh-huh. the Enterprise from the motion picture. I mean, not from the motion well, picture, from, from, from the, the original, original series. From the original yeah. series, yeah. Like totally... Well, that's also where they come from the idea that the holographic view screen will never work again. And that's why in the original series, they don't have the holographic view screen. So what I'm I so I get that they were trying to make reasons for things like that, but I'm just confused as to like what do you mean, what do you mean like what how how would that mean? So is it because of control that we decided to ditch the holographic stuff? Is that what they're saying? No, it's just that on the Enterprise during this battle, it was so damaged that they it was like they just don't ever repair it and it's un- oh, okay. unrepairable. 
So you're saying that the reason we didn't see holograms on the original Star Trek was not because of the limitation of the technology, but because of the limitation of the Enterprise specifically? Yeah, because it was damaged. Yeah. Okay. I'll go ahead and keep that, I guess. I'll take that for temporary headcanon. And, and this is one of my favorite scenes of the, uh, uh, the series because it totally explains why the Discovery was never mentioned at any track at all between here and forevermore until the 30th or 31st or whatever it is century sure, sure. yeah and uh and i just can't wait to see what's going to happen next season when they arrive in the future and the future says there is no record of your ship existing what are you talking <laughs> about like there's no discovery there's no michael burnham there was no klingon mutiny like what in the world <laughs> are any of you talking about discovery doesn't exist uh, and it's, I think it's going to take them. I, it would be. I, I, I'm hoping that they do this continuity carry through like they they've been doing, and that they're able to um, to keep those those ideas. Like, hey, it's going to be yeah. hard to prove ourselves. Um, we're going to be jumping past the temporal accords, past like the temporal uh, cold war and all that, because uh -huh. we we should be well, like a little bit after Daniels, if I'm not mistaken. I I'm not clear on that. Uh, so, uh, Crewman Daniels, let me see what, what year Crewman Daniels was from. Um, he never explicitly says, but he does. Oh, no, 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 no. So he was a temporal agent from the 31st century. Okay. And 950 years from, uh, the 22nd century would be 32nd century uh, so they would be we would be we would be arriving uh shortly after the cold war the temple yeah yeah, yeah. oh mm, i suppose yeah. yeah or if it we i mean we don't know that it ended or when it ended sure sure but usually i don't know i i yeah that's true that's that's fair enough so, so then we do see the enterprise now this isn't a refill this is just reconstruction yeah, yeah, just reconstruction of basically the same thing. Uh, although I have to admit that I didn't really like stop and look closely enough to see if the pylons have been corrected to the original series. But if they haven't, I don't it care. Like, they have been. like at this point, I'm not going back and I'm not checking because like I just want to pretend like <laughs> you know they did it the way that it was supposed to be done. Um, there is a visual aesthetic yeah. issue I think in Star Trek Discovery, and it's the same thing I've been talking about. For like the entirety of this episode and that's just like the canon thing like visual vi the visual aesthetic is a part of canon like i don't care what the people are saying about like oh they saw it differently it doesn't look this it looks the same as it always looked well it, it looks different to me is the thing yeah right so okay. if you're not going to respect the visual canon then how do i know that you're respecting the story canon like, because they are sort of, they're intertwined. You know, like, you can't change the visual canon of, you can't change the visual canon of Klingons without me saying they look different, you know? So why do you expect to be able to change the visual canon of, say, the uniforms without me saying, oh, they look different, or, like, the bridge controls, you know? Well, one of the, one of the things that I just thought of uh -huh. is... In, in the uh, original series, do we ever see an admiral in uniform on a view screen? Or, you know, for all we know, they were wearing the blue uniforms with well, gold stripes. Okay, so we saw we saw Admiral Mendoza 
he took us to uh, Talos Four. The second yep. time we went to Talos Four during the original series. He was the one okay. that actually was. He actually ended up oh, being yeah, 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 uh, Talosian, right. uh, a Talosian uh, 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 illusion. Like he just disappeared when they got close to Talos. Oh, okay. I'm going to say something that I've been dying to say. Okay. Ever since I saw the scene where Spock finally shaved. Now I was looking forward to. Okay, hopefully they're gonna do. They're gonna have Ethan Peck look like you know Spock and have him shave up and have him look good. But when this man comes out smiling as Spock and has trouble he is smiling for Spock you know what I'm saying like which man is smiling because Spock's not smiling yes he is he is smiling for Spock he is smiling that's a smile for Spock yes Spock has a downturn mouth okay so like so he's always like slightly frowning the fact that his the corners of his lips are turning up that is smiling for Spock. Okay. So to me, I keep looking and I keep going, stop smiling. Why, why is he smiling? And <laughs> then for this man to come out and have difficulty saying the phrase, an anomaly has been detected, Captain. Like, I've rewound and played and rewound and played and rewound and played so many times that I'm so desperately annoyed that he stumbled over the words. Like, he has trouble saying it. He has to turn his head, like, vaguely to the side to be able to, like, get out the phrase, an anomaly has been detected, Captain. Is it really that hard? Maybe it was hard for the actor. Because exactly. he was so excited it, to be should, that yeah. person saying that line yes. and carrying on the torch of that character. So this that is what I think. such a meaning. This is 100% what I think. I think that he was so, like, humbled by like playing the character and coming out as the actual yeah. Spock that we know yeah. that he just like he just like he probably sweated he was probably like shaking and trembling like he probably had a tough time doing it so I'll give him that based yeah. on that but still an anomaly has been detected captain come on buddy practice it a bunch of times I want to back up a little bit and I'm going to okay. say that I just noticed that there is a part of the credits that mentions a Klingon named Kavort uh-huh. And that Klingon is played by Glenn Hetrick. Okay. You know, the 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 makeup guy we were just talking about a little while ago. So this guy makeup was guy. able to actually play a Klingon in oh, okay. in the in the show. I'm I'm pretty excited for him. I'm sure that was really like exciting and like the pinnacle of his career. I really. Oh, okay. Uh, you probably enjoyed that. So, uh, so I don't know. Say goodnight. Say goodnight, Jack. No, I'm sorry. already. No, I'm just playing. Oh, okay. Let's talk about uh, this season as a as a whole. You know, for me, as an inability to read body language, anyway, I don't think I ever noticed that. You know, he was for like you say, doing a Spock smile. You know, and I don't know why I just did air quotes just now because nobody can see him. Yeah, just turn to your camera. Your camera is the one over here. Look this way. Yeah, Where? there you go. See? Now we can all see you. Me? Oh, crap. Now I have to <laughs> remove that smoke detector in my apartment and destroy it? No, you don't have to do that. Apartment. Oh, what? So you're going to just watch me every day? Only on Tuesdays. As I, come, as I come out of my bedroom in what I may or may not wear in my bedroom? In flagrante delecto, as it were? What, what, what? Uh, nudified. 
Oh, <laughs> sure. Talk about the season. Warp Flash. Okay. <laughs> Warp Flash. Yeah. So that's my sound effect for like the segment change. Oh, right. I get it. But let's, let's say you had to give a numerical rating from one to ten for the entire season. I I think the show is still finding its footing, like every show struggles to do it at, at the start. Okay. Or at least as far as Star Trek. There was a lot that happened this season. There was a lot that uh, seemed like they just uh, could have made a whole episode about five minutes that they did in the episode, and it's like there, this could have been a whole episode. And uh, Are we talking about the episode, or are we talking I, about the season just as a whole? The, the, not this specific episode, but just any, yeah, the season as a whole. Okay. There were a lot of things that they could have covered and made a whole episode about that particular activity or event that they were talking about. I think I'm along the same line of thought with you, where I feel like there are some parts of the episode, of some parts of the season that could have been expanded, and then yeah. some parts of the season that could have been contracted. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like we almost focus on, like, sort of the wrong things. Sometimes, maybe, yeah. It, it maybe almost seems like they could have had, if not uh, 24 episodes, maybe 20 episodes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they could have done 20 episodes, but I think that it probably would have been too much. Because, like I said, there was a canon issue, right? Okay. And we don't want to spend too much time in all that canon because we might drown in it and, okay. you know, get destroyed by it. Because canon is like time, time and time is the fire, fire in which we burn. Which we so the longer we stay in <laughs> canon, the longer we burn up. And Discovery was getting hot. So do you think the sole reason they sent Discovery to the future was so that they could make the fans happy about the whole canon thing? So picture this this television show, right? It starts, this, this television, this Star Trek Discovery, so right? This, let's say it starts like 20 years after uh, Deep Space Nine, right? Okay. Where the Klingons have gone all like silent and quiet and we haven't heard from them and they've gone all religious and stuff, right? <laughs> so what is the difference? Like, what is the difference from our starting point? Our starting point was, you know, a war with the Klingons. Did it have to be a past war with the Klingons? Could it have been a future war with the Klingons? Did we need to be in the past at all? Like, yeah, so so Burnham was raised on Vulcan by a, a Vulcan ambassador. Did it have mm -hmm. to be Sarek? Did it have to be Spock? Like, did it have to be those connections? No, was that no. really necessary? Could she have been... Oh, let's say that she... Oh, what if she was raised on Romulus by Spock? What if, like, the Romulans are the ones who who, who found her at Doctari Alpha and instead of... And, and they did, like, a like a Kittimer-type thing. Or, like, a... Yeah, like a Kittimer-type thing. You know, where they took Tasha Yar home and they made babies <laughs> with her. Like, why not take this little kid, Michael Burnham, home and raise her on Romulus? And then, like, maybe, you know, Spock finds her and he, ra he raises her on Romulus. Like... So then we still could have had the Spock connection. We could have kept the Spock connection, for sure. It could have been a different Spock connection, but like a formative connection, you know? Yeah, but then if Michael Burnham is raised on Romulus, how do we know she's not a Manchurian candidate? Oh, we we don't. And that adds to <laughs> like the depth and the, and the mystery of the of the series, because we, we have one Manchurian candidate that came from the Klingons, and we know that. Yeah, so yeah. like, what if there's a Romulan one too? And the whole time we're trying to figure out is she is she not like what's going on like isn't that doesn't that make it like deeper and then like we're furthering the political like, but does it make it too deep 
Okay, at but some we stuck point, our... some of their fans are not going to be able to get it, or they'll be like, nope, out. Mm, okay, that's fair. But I think that sticking it in the past and bumping it up against, like, the Enterprise and Spock and Pike and all that, like, I think that that it derived its own problems as well. Um, when we yeah. went back, when we went back to Talos 4, right, when we did If Memory Serves, there was, I, I don't want to call it lazy, but I want to say, like, there's a visual, there's that visual aesthetic problem again, right? Uh-huh. So we could have redone the scenes that had Pike and Vina in them and the Talosians. We could have redone them entirely and had okay. Spock and Vina and the Talosians and everybody who was in those scenes could uh-huh. have been in updated scenes. Because oh. otherwise we're doing like this jarring juxtaposition between the scenes of the past that have that old visual aesthetic and then the current scenes that have this new visual aesthetic that seems like it's like 30 years removed, right? So, but it's supposed oh. to be the same people in around the same time. Uh-huh. That was unnecessary. Like we didn't have hmm. to do that at all. Okay. And also we've heard of Boreth before. Like Boreth is a place where Worf was and it was, uh, what was it? Was it, was it Birthright part one or two? Is that the one? I'm not sure, but like that was a place where like they had, like the half Romulan girl living there, right? So. Oh, okay. Where yeah. did the time crystals go in all that time? There were a lot of time crystals when uh, Pike went well, looking for them. There right? are a lot of there are a lot of Klingon words that sound very similar, so maybe it's. Mm, no, it's the Klingon monastery on Boreth. It's the same place. I guarantee you, it is the very same place. It's on the maps. I'm sure if you pull out your your Star Trek your your your. Um, star charts you can you can find boreth on the map and you'll see that what where they showed on the map for boreth is the same place are 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 you sure not you're not confusing the planet that uh the romulan klingon hybrids were on with the planet that uh the clone of kalos appeared on oh you know what you are right you are right either way okay either way all we saw was inside that one temple on boreth in the episode where the clone of so I wonder if it's Kalos possible appeared. that they lied about the cloning in that case. Was it actually not a clone of Kalos? Did they actually bring the real Kalos using Ooh. a time crystal? Did they bring the real Kalos into the future? Well, we'll only we, we'll never know until we might know. <laughs> we might find out at some point in the future. But wouldn't that be wild to discover that all that time? Oh yeah. So like, wasn't Kalos? Was Kalos? Uh, also replaced by a shapeshifter, or was that just uh, Gowron? Just Gowron. No, okay. it wasn't even Gowron. It was Martok. Oh, sure enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Martok. General and Martok. Martok was the changing Martok was speaking poison into Gowron's ear. Ah, fair enough. Make and and he was also making all these suggestions to Gowron to make you think that Gowron was the changeling. Ah, fair enough. Kalis sort of fell into a plot hole after that episode too. So, and we all know that plot holes are even stronger, ten times, a hundred times stronger than a black hole. They are. <laughs> they are. Like I think that that's what happened. Like that that thing that opened up at the beginning of the special effects for this. <laughs> that's what Michael Burnham opened up and like jumped through because they. They opened up a huge plot hole by creating Discovery the way they created it, and she was just well, jumping back out of the plot hole. I don't, I don't, I disagree. I hear where you're coming from, but I disagree. One of the things that I like about the the appearance of the Discovery that brings it back to that time period 
is the discovery is one of the conceptions of what they thought that the it was it was a uh, conception art drawing that they did for a possible appearance of the original Enterprise. And they just brought that conception art into reality. Well, so actually, this is this is the this is the conception for uh, Star Trek Phase Two's version of the Enterprise. Oh, was it? Yeah, um, oh. it was. It was very similar. I do believe it was larger. I thought it was a conception for the original series Enterprise. So could have been. I don't think it was though. And, and maybe it was just left over, but or they modernized it. Uh, yeah, so designing the phase two enterprise. So there is a uh, there's a website called uh, this uh, called Forgotten Trek, okay. and there is a page there about designing the phase two enterprise, and that um, has several drawings of the new enterprise, okay. and uh, some of the drawings featured in that website. I don't know exactly where, but uh, some of the drawings in that website uh, include that uh, that phase two the phase two design. From okay. uh, from the Planet of the Titans, uh, it was story story treatment. Okay. Uh, the only thing that really the only thing that's really the thing that's distinctive about the the Starship Discovery is that triangular engineering section. Oh, okay. Right. There's also, I mean, there's a there's a height to the uh, to the to the neck, you know, that leads that connects the saucer to the engineering section. Yeah, yeah. There, there's almost no height. The the ship is very flat. Sure. There, uh, so that with that concept out art by um, Ralph McQuarrie, one thing that's notable is that <laughs> in the concept art, the back door, <laughs> that back shuttlecraft door does not shut. Oh. So I'm I'm pretty sure that that's the that's the concept that we've gone with because that damn back door that they left open for two whole years, we got to shut that sometime. You got to shut the door, man. You got it. You got to close the back door. Why? Uh, because you know Romulans uh, have a fake front door, so they always use the back door first. Okay. So if we're gonna go anywhere near Romulans, we may want to like you know shut that back door. That's all I'm saying. I know that it's a door. They've already shown that a door isn't necessarily to keep the environment in. What door? Uh, uh, unless all, of, unless of course power all turns off. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. Because, okay. you know, the power turns off, everything gets blown, um, sucked out in space. Correct. Yeah. That's blown out. Yeah, I, you, you know what's funny is, like, whichever one it is, I always just, you know, have in my head. Second guess yourself that it's yeah. not. That it's supposed to be the other one, because I, I, I always hear data over my shoulder being like, uh, correction. <laughs> there are extras. 207 clips. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, great stuff there on uh, what I'm sure by now, at the time our episodes are being released, uh, is called Paramount Plus. <laughs> so, uh, so if we don't have anything further for this episode, and we don't have anything further to recap the season with. One of the things I didn't like, I mean, this would go back to season one, but why do we need yet another Klingon War? Oh, I thought this was the original Klingon War. I mean, I suppose, but it within Earth timeline, 2020 timeline, 2021 timeline, it's yet another Klingon war. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're Klingons. They're they're a warlike people. You know, like the more the closer the closer friends we become with them, the more we should have wars with them, because that's what they like, right? 
Okay. It's sure. that uh, that's that that's the Klingon hello. Hey, buddy, <laughs> let's fight. Well, yeah, I suppose they come up to each other and they headbutt each other. Yep, that's the that's the hey, that's the hey hey Klingon hey other guy. Well, and the 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 way you say hello and Klingon, there is no hello. It's it's what do you what want? do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Get get right to business, buddy. That's the way. So tune in next time next week hopefully yeah next uh, next uh, it should be it should be next week uh are, are we are we broadcasting every every week you know at the, at this point in our production we might start doing two episodes a week uh stay tuned for the definite details on that well, i'm sure we'll do some drops and commercials letting you know uh during these shows when we're going to start doing two episodes per week but for right now we are we are one episode per week so we'll see you next week for uh Jesus, what are we doing next week? Um, are we doing Star Trek Picard episode one next week? Well, as far as our fans know, yes. Nah, so I guess that's what we're doing. So uh, let me let me say all that again. All right, so, uh, so we will see you next week. Yes. We've conferred and we figured it out. And we're going to see you next week. And guess what we're going to be seeing next week? Uh, Earl, why don't you let them know? Star Trek Picard Season 1 Episode 1 That's going to be Super exciting And I can already tell you I'm probably going to have Probably going to have Like a couple hours Of materials Just on the first Five minutes So I'll tell you what I can't even get over it It's just so much Good night guys Say good night Earl Good night Earl Support the continued Making of this show Through Patreon.com Let's talk about Trex as a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttrex.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trextalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mixed with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.